amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. here on December 2, December 2nd, 2015. Now, as usual, I read an article yesterday that I'm going to tell you about. It's by a recruiter this time named Elise Metzler, and uh, it was advice for recruiters telling them not to be callous, callous with job hunters. So I'm going to tell you about that, but first I want to make something clear. This is my version of of what she said, not hers. Because, you know, if I don't make that clear, people often get mad at me, and I don't like that. I don't want that. Okay, so I'm going to start now. I want you to imagine something. Imagine you're a psychiatrist, and day in and day out, you meet people who are distressed. And it's often about silly, stupid little things. They just think it's a big deal. So after a while, you get desensitized, desensitized, sex addiction, drug addiction, suicidal thoughts. They're just part of your standard fare. So a client will come in all distressed, and your demeanor is like that of a a waitress in a lunch counter who's been on the shift since 6 o'clock in the morning. You're not friendly. You're not human. You're strictly matter-of-fact. You know, what'll it be, buddy? Xanax or Seroquel? That's what you're like. The client feels that his life is coming to, to, a, to an end, or at least it's at a dead end. But for you, it's like you're on an assembly line, and he's a screw that just needs to be tightened. You know, the guy feels like a jerk already. That's the client, because... He's acting kind of crazy, right? And your lack of interest convinces him that he's all all alone. Everybody thinks he's weird. Nobody wants to help him, okay? Now, imagine the job hunter. Do you think she's not feeling sensitive? Of course she is. But to you, the recruiter, you're back in your recruiter identity now, you're like that heartless, heartless, psychiatrist to you she's just a widget but for her her life is at stake so here's what you have to do adopt a routine that makes you seem nice (laughs) even when you're not okay this is how elise says acknowledge their bad nerves and make an effort to make them feel comfortable she also says that you should always leave a conversation on a positive note But you know what? That can be hard when you know you're going to reject somebody. So sometimes all you can do is shrug. And that's what we do a lot around here when the guest lets us 
lets us down on Jerry. Jerry! What show is this? This is the Recruiting Animal back in June. Okay. Okay. That I recall. Okay, I got a question for you before we get going on the show, okay? What? I read okay. another article, not the article I talked about, but I read another article about nanny agencies. Agencies that place nanny. They're getting I'll a pair. lot of We call them out pairs here. Out pairs. Whatever you want to call them, okay? They're getting a lot of requests for girls who aren't so good looking. Because a lot of the celebrities, like Ben Affleck and uh, Gwen Stefani's husband, they left their wives for the nanny, okay? But I've never heard of any regular... It's nice to have that as an option. Pardon me? That rich. I say it's yeah. nice to have that as an option. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. an option I would take, mind you, but just but, nice to have that yeah. as an option. Yeah. But I've saying. never heard... Here's my point. Let me get to yeah. it, okay? I've never heard of any recruiters getting those kind of requests. Have you? No. And what would you do if you got one? We we want a chemist, but we don't want her too pretty. Mm, I would say uh, no problem. Coming right up. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, I do. They're going to pay you twenty five thousand bucks. Make it happen. Yeah, oh. I guess. Okay. Uh, within <laughs> I the confines of prejudice uh, like that. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the guest. Let's What's do his it. name? Andrew Godomsky. Are you here? Hey, how are you? I'm here. Okay, I saw you come and then leave, and you got me kind of worried, okay? No, no, no. I got cut off. I was on a landline, but that doesn't mean it always works. Okay. Okay. Did you bring a song, Andrew, before? You know, we got to. Jerry and I chatted about those nannies. We got to get rolling. Did you have a song? I'm a I'm a baseball fan, man, and you know I gotta tell Don't you give me that kind I, of crap. I gotta tell you something. I knew this was gonna happen, so I made a list of songs. No, 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 no. I'm gonna do take me out to the ball game, brother. Let's do it. Oh, oh you're you were you're setting yourself up for. I'm a song. totally serious. Okay, let's go. Wait, 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 wait. Ready? What? Okay, I'm ready. Wait. You you want to count or should I? Up one two three. Take hey. me out yeah, to the ball, ball game. game. Take, Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Jack. I don't, don't care if I, I ever get back. back. It's root. So let's root. Root, root for the Phillies. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three, three strikes roll out at the old. Ball, ball game. game. Yeah. Maureen, I was, side note, I enjoyed the Cincinnati Great American Ballpark. Uh, yeah, when summer. were you here? You came here and you didn't come see me. You didn't call me. Oh, well, that's my, not good. You don't call. My, my wife yeah. doesn't trust you. Yeah, okay. Well, with good reason, okay? <laughs> I'm just with good, good reason. Understandable. Okay. okay. She doesn't trust anybody. I, yeah. <laughs> Let me do Next time. Yeah. Well, I got you know, Michael. I got to tell you, I, I like your opening question to Jerry because I've got the counter to that one. I've heard the opposite. Well, you people looking for good-looking nannies? Mm-hmm. 
Well, not nannies. Good, well, you asked about good-looking people, and I've, I've, that's actually something that happens a lot down by where I live, by Philadelphia in Atlantic City. They're looking for what they, kind of people? You know, well, we have a lot of casinos, right? And so the, one of the recruiting issues that they have is the Borgata for a number of years um, recruited uh, – you know, full-time help, but they were we were doing it in such a way where they, it was suspect of whether or not they were discriminating based on looks. And so the problem that they had to face was, you know, they they wanted people on the floor who were attractive, and who you know who were servers of of uh, of the beverages going around the tables. And the way they had to solve that problem is they hired a modeling agency. And then they did a contingent labor play where none of those uh, servers actually work for the casino. They work for a modeling agency to what avoid any kind of discrimination that? practices. Yeah, that was fascinating. Okay, let's move on. I'm okay, okay. with that. <laughs> okay. Your name is Andrew Gadomsky, G-A-D-O-M-S-K-I. It's not one Correct. of those harder Polish names. It's not all consonants, right? You're lucky. It's easy to say. Uh, and so you started out in school wanting to be an engineer, but I think uh, Maureen exposed you yesterday as not graduating as an engineer. Am I right about no. that? No, no, I, 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 I bailed. I, I was, I was, I was into it. I was a chemie, and it was, it was interesting. And then I had a great conversation with my grandfather. Yeah, okay, I don't want to hear about that. Okay, let yeah, me but, move but on. It, okay. no, oh, I, ended up, I ended up doing, I ended up doing logistics and marketing. Logistics and marketing. That's what your degree is in, logistics and marketing. Yeah. And then well, you, became degrees, a, yeah. you became a recruiter for a while. Then you moved yeah. into recruiting software. Now, even though you brag that you live in New Jersey on Ventnor Avenue, uh, you run a, a, a consulting firm called Aspen Advisors, as if you're out there near Denver or wherever that is, right? Okay. And what you do is you supply real-time recruiting analytic data to giant corporations that hire thousands of people every year. And you also tell these giant companies how to improve their recruiting strategy. Am I right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, great. Now, look, uh, the thing is, you're dealing with recruiting managers, I imagine, and VPs and all the big shots, but this is a show for the little people, okay? And I mm -hmm. want you to keep that in mind. When you're talking, say, how can the individual recruiter – you know, benefit from what I'm saying. And here's, gotcha. I'm going to set you up. Let's start off. We're going to talk about a hot issue. It just came up the other day. <laughs> Jerry's interested, I know. Right ear interviewing. What do you think about that? Well, I'm sorry, what kind of interviewing? <laughs> Jerry! You've never even heard of it? He doesn't even know about it, and this guy's a heavy hitter. <laughs> I couldn't, no, no. Say, say right it again. Ear interviewing. Say, say, uh, say it again. What kind of interviewing? Right ear interviewing. Oh, right ear interviewing. Yeah, yeah I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that is. We oh, come on. Okay. No. I have to hold on. We'll move on. I Look. think it's. A, I, th I do. With all due respect, animal. I think it's still uh, a European deal. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I think Ben Slater's out in England. Okay. Listen. Is corporate recruiting? Is England in Europe? Just to clarify. Yeah, nope. okay. <laughs> they are? Some Americans don't know. Anyway, uh, that's the first big question. Is corporate recruiting effective? And I'm going to set it up a bit. Dr. John Sullivan says, I think he was quoting staffing.org, he says that 30 to 50% of hires 
don't work out in corporations. Uh, and Daniel Chate, the CEO from Greenhouse, he was on this show a little while ago, and he said that corp- I, I'm going to come up with my version of what he said. He said corporate recruiting is a disorganized mess, and that's why he's cleaning up with his new software that guides people through the process. But I listened or read your interview with John Sumser, and you told him that your clients, the big corporations, are doing a pretty good job. How come your opinion is different from these other two smart guys? Probably because we focus more on the waste and getting it out rather than bitching about what the hell's wrong. And, and I think, I think there's, a lot of, there's a lot of wasted time and effort, and it's not because recruiters are bad. It's because they just don't watch for it. And so if you, if you really pay attention to what you shouldn't be doing first and then focus on what you should be doing, it's a much cleaner process, and you end up being more productive. That's probably why. Concrete? I don't know what you're talking about. Sure. So as an example, you know, here's, you know, you have an organization that goes ahead and does something like cut a deal with Indeed and LinkedIn to wrap every single job that they post on Taleo to automatically go out to their sites. And what that does is produce anywhere between 150 to 500 applicants automatically, with no discrimination whatsoever. And that produces a tremendous amount of work. So we'll go ahead and we'll say, why are you doing that? Oh, because we, we want to make sure that the job gets exposed. I'm like, yeah, what you just did is you just set yourself up for a recruiter to chase down 250 people that they've got to say no to rather than having them focus on who they should talk to. Stop that. And when you start doing that for 10,000 hires a year, as an example, the recruiter's job changes a lot. And you start thinking differently about what they're going to spend their time doing and, and, and then moving people forward rather than clicking the dismiss button all day long. I've got two questions for you. First of yeah. all, if they're not putting the, those ad jobs out there, where should they put them out? Secondly, we keep hearing that you can't make your online application uh, you know, tedious to fill out. It has to be easy. You should just be able to press a button and send the company your LinkedIn profile. That seems to encourage all this kind of uh, overkill. So want to talk about those two things? Well, I think where you, where you should post it is, you know, you post a job because you need to attract the candidates. I mean, t- take, take all the stuff that you have to do it for, for compliance purposes, put that to the side for a second. But if you have to post a job, it's because you want to attract <laughs> candidates, not because someone just told you to. You don't have the candidates in your data set, you don't know the people, you don't have the employee referrals, you don't have the internals, then go ahead. Start attracting external talent using the channels that make sense, whatever that means. If you're going to go ahead and use a tool to do that, to, to find out where the hotspots are using job postings based on data, then do it. Use eQuest, Give us an use Broadbeam. I don't know what you're talking about. Give me an example. Use- of, of where they should go, you want me to name a board? You well, go ahead and go ahead, go ahead and do the analysis. Do the analysis on How? we're going to hire How? people in. We're going to we're going to hire people for Procter and Gamble in Cincinnati in accounting. Meanwhile, we're we're posting that job nationally, and we're getting eighty percent of the people outside of the Cincinnati market. Stop posting it globally on CareerBuilder. Do the work. That's the first step. Then figure out, okay, now we've got the, the, the talent down to maybe 60 applicants in the Cincinnati marketplace, but they're not financially focused. They're just throwing stuff at us. Fine. Take it off the other sites and put it on a financially focused site if you don't have the people. Do that work. 
Okay. That's, that's, that's how you pretty, do it. This sounds like only an idiot would have to be told that. Am I right or wrong? Well, the thing is, is that most recruiters have been taken, over the last few years, most recruiters have been taken out of the loop on that kind of selection process and that kind of control. So who, who's the person who's doing that? You know, a lot of that's kind of done, believe it or not, with procurement or at a higher level with a VP of talent where they say, wrap all the jobs or, you know, let's put it all on LinkedIn or, you know, there's a lot of people who go ahead and okay. make enterprise so decisions like that because they're cheap. VP, just because someone has a title of VP doesn't mean they're well-informed. They might even be smart, but they don't know what they're doing. And the poor little guys beneath them, they have to suffer for it. Really, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm hearing. Well, I think what we've got is you got you know you know those guys who are who are selling those solutions are good. They're supposed to be putting in a lot of value, and you can put you can put value on someone saying, hey, if you post with us and you do it this way, it'll be cheaper for you. That's great, but that doesn't necessarily they don't necessarily look at the data behind it, saying, hey, by the way, we just produced another three hundred thousand applicants on the year that we got to say no to. Well, do the work. Okay. Figure out, okay, yeah, how is this going to control applicants? In their ivory tower, they're in their ivory tower on the 55th floor or something. They don't really know what's going on. That's the problem. It's not a democratic But if they get the data, they'll know what's going on. Yeah, if, but there's plenty of leaders who go get the data. They look at this myopically. They look at it business by business, region by region. They're making good decisions. They're saving a lot of money. They don't. They got 150 recruiters. They don't have 150 LinkedIn licenses. They got 10. They're doing it smart. There's plenty of those leaders. Okay. Okay. What about that thing about mobile? About people are reading these these ads on their tiny little phones and they can't do a lot of typing. They just want to press a button. Isn't that going we, to? We have you? to assume that that's that's going to take over. There's so much demand for it. The 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 applicant tracking systems and the CRMs. Have been a lot of have a lot of pressure from the marketplace and from venture capital to put that technology into their system. A few years ago, I was in Chicago at the uh, well, whatever conference they've got there in May, and I said, guys, just assume that they're going to swipe. Someone's going to swipe their thumb across their iPhone, and that's the equivalent of an application. So, what are you going to do when a thousand people? are applying to your rec because they're doing it on their train ride to work and they can apply to 25 jobs in 10 minutes. By, by that, are you suggesting that maybe it shouldn't be that easy? Maybe people well, have to, I, ought to put in a little bit of work? I, I, think, I think we need to get a little bit more self-selection out, Jerry. I think our jobs – I mean, put, put more stuff in the job posting that says to somebody, this is really for me or this is really not for me. That's a good portion of this. I don't have a lot of data to support that. I just find that to be a good practice. Yep. Okay. I'm but, with you. Let, let, okay. But, you know, hey, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Be descriptive. And then, you know what, we're going to have to go through a bit of a process where, yeah, you know what, a thousand people applied for the job. All right, you know, greenhouses. If, if greenhouse is going to be talking about this, where's their assessment tools that automatically mark some of those candidates that make this easier for the recruiters? That increases candidate care. Like what? Where's that tech? Like what? Oh, I mean, Taleo for years has had their ACE, their ACE candidate technology that goes ahead and does like a star system of, hey, if they answer these basic questions, we're going to go ahead and automatically rank them. Do that work. Use that okay, tool if you own that not, tool. But they're not. You just said they're using their thumbprint. They're not answering questions. Actually, uh, you said it was no, a no, thumb no. swipe. Animal. It was a thumb swipe. We're not using fingerprint technology here. 
Yeah, yeah but you can here. go ahead, but you can go ahead and make somebody say, "Hey, look, take my LinkedIn profile and apply to this job." And then that automatically scans the resume and we say, "Hey, great. Thanks for your resume. Would you mind answering a few questions so we need a little bit more?" Mm-hmm. Answer five or six questions that are in and out in 8 minutes. 8 yep. minutes. Like okay. Get uh, it done. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of things I'll just mention we don't have to talk about. Speaking of Dr. John Sullivan, he also says that, that job hunters, they just read the job title and the city, and they apply. They don't read the job description. They're like recruiters. They take a quick scan, and they don't really look at any details, so they'll apply for anything that seems vaguely uh, suitable. So I think it's yeah. going to be hard to weed them out uh, unless you – It is. I've been teaching. For, I've been teaching at NYU for a number of years uh, on yeah, on this topic, board, and my students my students are the same way. Adjunct they, professor. I don't even know yeah, what they think. Means, okay. They Adam, think, are you talking over the guest? I missed what he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. I I think they think that it's okay. You know, there's a lot of people who, when they're out of work or they're feeling desperate or they want to go ahead and they want to feel active, they feel that spending 15 to 35 minutes on an application is good work. And we need to un- recruiters need to help. Recruiters need to take on the responsibility of unwinding that perception in the marketplace that filling out an application is a good good use of time. It's not necessarily a good use of time. Be more selective. We just keep on telling people apply, apply, apply. We got to unwind that. Um, otherwise, people are going to keep on applying. It doesn't matter if it takes them five minutes, thirty minutes. They're just going to keep on doing it because it makes them feel like they're moving towards something. We have to mm. enable those people. Yeah, I think people are going to call you a Luddite, okay? Uh, and there was something else I was going to throw at you, but I forget what it is. Now, I list, again, I'm going to come to my to back to John Sumser. I won't be quoting that interview the whole time, but you said something there that shocked me. I want to make sure I understand. You've got a, a recruiting software called Pando, P-A-N-D-O. We'll get to a, a longer description of it later in the show, maybe. But you said to John that you can give people real-time uh, analytics or data about the the satisfaction level of candidates and hiring managers. I don't even know what that means uh, and, and how you can do it moment to moment. Did, did I understand that correctly? No, that's right. So so what ends up happening is um, inside uh, applicant tracking systems or CRM, any of the messaging that recruiters put out, they put in links to say, hey, how am I doing? You know, just like you would for any other customer satisfaction rating. And what ends up happening is, a survey is then launched by the candidate or by the hiring manager, and then they're interacting and giving engagement on a real-time basis, and we upload that each day and reveal that back to the customer. So they can see, hey, today, this many candidates told us how we're doing. This many hiring managers told us how we're doing in this region, that office, this function, whatever it is. We can do – that's actually pretty straightforward so stuff. So is it like when you, you do a search on Google, how do I uh, fix my hard drive – and you go to Microsoft, and it gives you some instructions, and then at the bottom it says, did this answer your question uh, well, yes or no? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's more of an in-depth survey. You know, it says, hey, you just got interviewed by us. Would you mind giving us some feedback on the interview? Well, it's like right. when you Click call your ISP, Rogers.com, for instance, and you, you, you know, speak to the tech, uh, tech uh, support, 
and they help you. You get an email in a few minutes, and it says, what do you think of the person who helped you out? And then there's they give a, you a yeah, bunch of – Yeah, there's a little bit of that. What, what's really well, – what's interesting about the tool is they can use it through their experience. So the hiring managers are coming back to the survey or the app and say, hey, I just went through my interview process. This is what I thought of how the recruiter did. This is what I thought of the candidates. The candidate's coming back after the interview and saying, this is how I thought of the interview process. Then they come back after the offer saying, man, your offer process stinks. Why am I negotiating like this? They're doing it as an app on their phone in, relative re- in real time. Now, we, don't necessar- no, we, we collect the data in real time, Animal. That doesn't necessarily mean that we should present it in real time back to the recruiters. There's value in saying, this is how you did this week, this is how you did this month. Doing it every day becomes a little bit of an overkill. Okay, so Jerry has a team of about five people. I'm, uh, I don't know if that's correct anymore. It, would it be worthwhile Let's for... Uh, it is. Would it be worthwhile for an operation that size to do this as well? Yeah, I mean, they, they they could. I mean, I think I think they can probably do it themselves just by using something that's a little, you know, use Zoho or SurveyMonkey or anything like that. That's not hard to do. Uh-huh. We're doing it for organizations that, I'm moving you know, on. I'm moving on. Yeah. Recruiting without recruiters. Jeremy Allen Ames, and he's got a new Twitter uh, address. I can't tell you what it is. The HCM guy. That's it, I think. Anyway, we had a long conversation with him about recruiting without recruiters. Can job matching software find the right people online, send them invitations to apply, then screen the applications, invite them to do like a higher view video interview where they see a bunch of questions on the screen and they answer them on video. And then if uh, somebody likes it on the other side, they do a Skype interview with a hiring manager. No uh, recruiters involved. Is that the future? I think it can. I think it will be the future for certain positions uh, of volume, and that's being done in in organizations and tested now with a lot more automation. The, the hiring manager's got to buy off on it, guys. I mean, that's the thing. Is is there's got to be confidence that this is the right thing for our business. And if you don't have a lot of confidence, you're not going to use that kind of tech. Okay, I'll move on. I don't want to get involved. There's a guy listening to the show right now. His real name is Jacob. I started calling him Danish Jerry, okay, because he reminds me of Jerry who's on the the line right now. And he is uh, waiting for the opportunity to criticize me. So I actually have a bunch of questions that he supplied, right? And one of them relates to what we were just talking about. It's called the Future Proof Recruiter. He says, what do you consider the five to ten most important attributes for being a future-proof recruiter? What personality traits, what capabilities, what mindset, so that recruiters don't get sidelined by this kind of uh, automated uh, system, fully automated recruiting system? Mm, off the top of my head. I would say judgment, problem-solving, resilience, tenacity, yeah, that, those kind of high-level things—they don't—they don't mean anything to me. Do you have like, well, an example? Well, but, but they got to mean somebody. They got to mean somebody to somebody else. If you got a recruiter who doesn't have tenacity to work through things over and over again in like a future state of work, okay, that you're doing it time and time again, and you're gaining expertise in it, you're not going to be—you're not going to be good. If you don't have resilience to do the work over and over again at long hours or through repetition, you're not going to make it in the future state of work. If you don't have good problem-solving skills that you can move and shake and then communicate back to your business, you're going to be dead. 
So those are three that are pretty valuable. And if you don't think that they're valuable, I'm pretty sure your listeners do. Yeah, okay, thanks. Don't uh, you also have to have just a, a good, friendly, likable nature? I mean, yeah, do, you think, I mean do you think that recruiters, the, the old uh, close you into a corner, don't take no for an answer, aggressive, I think that guy's gone. Yeah, service orientation is where it's at, Jerry. I mean, I think you got to go with, you know, don't treat them, you know, it's customer service. As soon as you start, as soon as you start realizing this is not supply chain, okay, which is something I know about, it's not. This is service. Treat everybody with with care and get it done. And don't cool. don't do, don't just throw, you know, I mean, treat everybody like they're on the flight with you, and they're going from whatever journey it is. And you're going to treat everybody with respect, and you're going to take care of your passengers. If you don't start thinking about this like air travel, and you got to know who they are and how to do things with them and make them feel comfortable, because the majority of those people are not going to probably fly with you again. Mm. But if they're your customers, they are. If they're your internal candidates, they are. Treat everybody with respect and service. Next question. Thank you. Jerry, are you finished with that? Or Maureen, did well, you have something? Well, that was four. Do we have more? No. I think number five has got to be uh, a big bank account. Question. Yeah, I'm, I'm finished with that question. <laughs> right. Okay. Here's another Jacob question. Danish Jerry, because, you know, I want to get him off my back, okay? How do we get HR to understand recruiting? He said, uh, he said, uh, this is the reason why 90% of all recruitment innovation comes 90%. from vendors and not HR. And I remember seeing Bill Borman also say that HR executives, they don't come for recruiting, so they're not really up to date on the latest innovations. Well, what's your answer to that? And everybody's always talking about how recruiting should report to marketing, but I saw Lori Rudiman say that's never going to happen. What is your take on it? Andrew Gadam. Well, we we out, we outsourced HR technology and recruiting technology 15 years ago to the vendors. So pulling it back inside is not going to be about developing tech. It's going to be hard to do that for smaller businesses. So I don't see I don't see us becoming if we're going to become innovators, it's going to be on process. It's not going to be on tech. Hopefully it answers your question. As far as um, as far as where recruiting needs to sit, recruiting primarily deals with people who are not employees. HR primarily deals with people who are employees. So the value game is so different. Um, I think, you know, this is not a one-size-fits-all. I call bullshit on all these people who are saying, oh, it's got to report here or it's got to report there. Every organization has got to find a way to figure out how are we going to treat people who are probably not going to be our employees. Some of them are customers. Some of them are vendors. Some of them are stakeholders. Where is that going to report? If it's HR, it's HR. If it's finance, it's finance. If it's sales, it's sales. They're going to figure that out for themselves. Just have a customer service orientation when you do it. Ooh, that's an answer I didn't expect. Good for you. Here's another. Almost finished with Danish Jerry. Okay, who has the most magnetic culture? That's my interpretation of his question. He says... Who is the most inspirational company in their people culture where, just because of the way that they do things and who they are, they don't have to spend a huge amount of effort in their recruiting efforts, and he wants it to be outside of the usual suspects, Google, Facebook, and Apple. I'm going to go with a company that is really great on retention, right? So We're you not can think talking about, about retention, are we? No, 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 no. hold on. Recruiting. Yeah, I get it. 
Animal. I, I get it, animal. animal uh, hey, Andrew, hold on a second. Animal, you're not used to having a guest who actually knows a little bit broader than you're used to. That's all I'm saying. This guy knows what's going on. Don't cut him off. Don't tell him that he's answering the wrong question. He knows what he's doing. Why don't you just listen to this dude? Thanks. Thanks, brother. This is who I would say. I would go to Southwest Airlines. Here's an organization that has a a, a second generation, maybe third generation of business leaders where corporate culture is key, team engagement is key. Their, Their turnover rate in most of their populations is less than 5%. So here's an organization that when they think about recruiting, they're thinking about who are we going to hire for the next five to 10 years. So it's a different, so I think they've figured out the next generation of recruiting, which is we hire people to retain them. And that's different than I I think. Okay. What about Southwest Airlines? He didn't put it on his list of usual suspects, but I would throw it in there. Everybody talks about Southwest. Give me another company if you have one. I'm not saying you can think of anything off the top of your head, and I won't hold it against you. No, I mean, I mean, if you're going to go off 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 the usual suspects like FedEx and Southwest and you know Google and Apple and you know those kinds of organizations, you know, I got to tell you, I mean. The companies that have got the strong cultures, I think they're looking at recruiting different. Whole Foods is one that people have been talking more about. I haven't gotten in there with their data, but I really like what they're doing and trying to stay engaged with their employees. Well, I thought they just went out of business for scamming people on weights and prices and stuff across the board. (laughs) They did. Their recruiting is fantastic. Yeah, I, I would say that... They're just more into their data. They've got a whole social media like war room tracking how they're ta- cha- how they're engaging with people. I mean, companies that are doing stuff like that, Animal, I think are they're just a step above. Only and, and it's only because maybe they're a step ahead, right? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. that was Jimmy Durbin. It sounded like the great Jimmy hey, Durbin. Hey, Jim, how you S- doing? SM Headhunter hey, to us before about recruiting machinists. You told me yesterday that you architected a word I hate, architected uh, an RPO for CNC machinists in Philadelphia, one of, the, one of the top machining businesses in the USA, and it's one of the hardest skilled trades mm. with no digital foot uh, to recruit for because they have no digital footprint for the candidate pool. And that was really hard. Uh, now, that was in 2007. So I know Jim has had more recent experience. I want to tell you to tell us, how you manage to recruit those guys? Because I know they're hard, and I, and if Jimmy can critique you if he if he wants to, go is ahead. Is this yeah. a story from eight years ago? Let me just make sure my head's in the right. Frame yeah, of mind. yeah. This he is this is me. this is it's going back eight years ago, ago, which is like a hundred years ago. Come on, dude. Nobody wants to hear this. You want well, me to tell you how I recruited a guy for Pizza Hut today. franchise in 1988? Ask Jim if it's that much different today. Yeah, that's a great question. Great question, Maureen. Crap question, animal. So, Hold on. So, Ask Andrew. Is that a crap question? I think it's, I think the question is if I told if I told the story and then Jim checked my math if he's done it recently, I bet you they're probably going to be pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I bet you probably. No, I'm intrigued. Too. I was looking for one person, and it, it didn't. I don't think it changed that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we had to do 25, right? And 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 that meant you know old school research. 
getting, you know, doing the cold calling list. We were calling into machining shops. We were we were going into conglomerates like Danaher. Um, mm-hmm. and, and going where we knew that they had. Maureen the is loving this. I we, do we it had today. To do, I'm, I'm we here to do it right now, Maureen. I'm here to testify. They're telling right. the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. We had to do the research. We would go to the vendors of the certain machines, and we would find out who their customers were, and we would mm-hmm. go into those machine shops. And Brilliant. Then we would, right. What we would be doing is now you're playing the gatekeeper game because normally you got 40 people on a shop floor. No one's got a phone. Right, that's still that's today. Right. right, and and we even went ahead and we got interns to go paper the parking lot. Oh. We were going old I school. I love it. Right. Is, oh. Okay, but I got and, a question for really. you. I got a question. You said you got in touch with the suppliers, the vendors, and got the names of their clients. How did you do that? How did you get them to give you their clients? We just asked them. It wasn't that hard. You just no, said, no, no. Hey, look, tell we're... me, walk me through that, okay? Don't say it was easy. So, so you say, look, look. Yeah, I am. I'm calling on behalf of this company. There you go. Right, we're in, we know we use your machines. We're thinking about making some capital investments, and they were. I would ask the CEO, "Can I ask a bunch of questions to your suppliers about their machines?" They would say yes, and then now he would say yes, and I say, "Great, I'm going to go represent and get information from your suppliers." And then the suppliers would say, "Look, we want to talk to some people who are using your machines." Would you feel comfortable in us talking to those operators? And in many cases, they'd say, yeah. In some cases, they'd say, eh, not as excited about that. Fine. Mm-hmm. The guys who, who gave it up, they gave it up. Hold on yeah. a sec. Hold on. And what so percentage you, gave you it could, up? What, wait what a second. Like, like half. Like half. No, let, let him answer. What percentage gave it up? No, I was just getting ready to say it's great the animal's not demanding a specific number or percentage here, and here you are. Here I am. Dang what it, Maureen. gave it up? How about, about some? About, about half. Some. That's about a good half. But it's a small there you group, go. Maureen. There there's you only, go. yeah. Th- there's not. There's only a, a handful of producers of lathes and mills like that. So mm-hmm. if there were seven providers, you know, we got three or four, and you know there what? You then we would get leads on 20 customers each or eight customers each, and mm-hmm. off to the races because there's there 30 guys on the floor. And what do you Let call that? Ask. What do you call that? It, what do you call I just that? Call that work. It's just work. work. Just do the work. That's right. That's right. Wait a second. Can I get a question in here? I, I you, might have to you, argue with Maureen there. Wait a second, Jimmy. Wait no, a second. No, no, let's let Jim go for his, his counterpoint. Come on, animal. This is where your show's been breaking down a lot the last couple of years. Let this play out. Jim, I would Jim, say that you ahead. don't have to make those phone calls to the CEOs anymore. Because you can search the job boards and LinkedIn to find who those suppliers are. Oh yeah, I, I, I agree with them. that. I mean, yeah, well, I, I'm going, I'm dating myself big time, right? Because this is like no, 08. No, the idea is still the same. It's just a little faster now, but you still have to do the real work after the fact. This and is no different. This is no different than finding now radiologists or physical therapists or emergency room uh, nurses. There's a whole slew of work out there in staffing where they just don't have the phone at their desk. They're not on LinkedIn. They're, you know, if they're on Facebook, they've locked it up. You've you got to do the work. Let me ask you two questions now. First of all, when you called up the uh, vendors, you had permission to use the name of your client in a false uh, presentation? You, no, you no, said, no, no, yeah, no. We, we were... told them what we were doing. We told them what we were doing. 
And so you could go in, and they didn't follow up with, with your client and say, you know, we had a guy calling us uh, for information because they said you might be interested. I'm following up with you. I'm a sales rep from there. That didn't happen? You didn't get blowback? No, no we talked. We talked. Hold on. Let me be clear. We talked to the people they already bought from. We oh, called okay. their vendor and okay. said, hey, we're trying to grow the business. Who else, who else is your customer? Okay, okay, that's the answer. I don't know if that's enough vendors to call, but there's your answer. What about when you're actually calling, there's these guys on the floor in a noisy uh, machine shop with no phone. How did you get through to them? We called them at home. How did you get their home numbers? Oh, you know, you, you, would, you, would, you would say, hey, give them, they would call us back. You know, we would, get, we would go to the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper would say, hold on, let me get the operator, see if I can get them off the floor. So you did that. And you, you give them a quick pitch. And you say, look, I know you're on the floor right now. I got a great opportunity over here. Would you mind if I gave you a shout at home later tonight, tomorrow? And they would say, yeah, give me a shout. What about the, fourth, num- fourth, what about the fourth person you called in that shop? You know, isn't the gatekeeper going to go crazy after a while? I'm not pulling. You got to these- rotate. You got to rotate, man. You can't. You, you got to play the game. A lot of these shops are 24/7, or they got multiple shifts. So you call at 8 a.m. and then you call again at 7 p.m. Different gatekeepers. You got. You got to strategize when you do this, and you have to have enough research to make it. You know, make it realistic that hey, if I got to hire 25 people, if I got to hire eight people. You know what? In this case, you're not getting three candidates or eight candidates per hire. That's not going to happen. These are onesie, twosie, threesie kind of stuff. And so you know that you got to get – if I had to get eight people in in a quarter, maybe I got 12 in the door. And by the way, every single person who came in the door gave up two more in their shop. Yeah. That was the best way to get them. Yeah. Get them How? here, show them the How? shop, and say, hey – who else in your shop is like you? We want to hire you. Who do you want to bring along? And they would say, bring Jim. Jim's awesome. Great. Get him over here. That's how you recruit those people. You know, Jerry's groaning. Getting referrals is the hardest thing in the world. They're one of them. Dude, not in that kind of thing. Dude, these are machine shop dudes. They've got their buddies. They've got the dude that they go have the beers with after work. They're, they're, it's a tight crowd, man. Oh, it's a very it's tight crowd. It's a shock animal. Actual recruiting... Yeah, you could, you, Jerry. You're right. You could, you could go to the lead guy on the shift, and you could grab his whole team, and say, "Bring your team. We'll give them all two dollars more an hour. What do you think?" And they get to pick the shift. Yeah. A nickel Done. an hour. And, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jim. A nickel an hour. Because, because you know what? There's, there's not a lot of demand. If you give them, if you give them better benefits, and this shop that I was working with. You could you could lick off the floor in this machine shop. This place was like a lab. It was so clean. Getting people in the door there meant offer. If I knew if I could get them in the front door, I could give them an offer because they would say, I want to work here. Okay, next question. You did some work for Jobster. Jobster. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Why did, well, you gave me the information. I didn't uh, get yeah. it from the ether, okay? So why no, did you. it fail? Why did Jobster fail? Maybe you don't want to say. Maybe you no, don't want to say. No, I mean, I think I, I think it, they might have been. I mean, talent pipelining and and doing communities and stuff is pretty is pretty is pretty good now. Um, people are there's plenty of purchases there. Maybe they were early. Um, they might have just been early, uh, and you know, people were still just kind of getting ATSs up and running. And why do I need another system? And I, I no, think they no, might no. have just they been a little early. They didn't use recruiting.com correctly. Everybody knows that. 
Well, yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, well, we, we've got some we, we, we've got some other things going on there, but I think I think the concept. If I take the politics out, the concept of we're going to have a tool where you can monitor and blah 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 talent community. I think they might have just been a little early, and they played a little bit the venture card a little bit too much. They went after companies that were a little bit out there, and you know, just fold it up. I mean, there's a lot of venture companies that fold okay, up. Okay, next question. I mean, next question. Uh, I saw recently, who was it, uh, uh, at one of the conferences, she said, she's a sorcerer. Her name will come back to me. I know she got married. That's why I can't remember her new name. Okay. Shannon. Shannon. She said, our internal, she, she loves, they've got an internal social media site, and she just loves it. Uh, are, they, are they a big deal for uh, big companies? Some. Um, okay. It's pretty cool. I think some, and it's cultural. It's you know, I don't know enough about it to be fair. Oh, oh, so that's not something you're recommending when you go into. It's not one of the first things. Oh, you guys got to set this up. No, right? Um, if we do, we're usually looking at um, do you do document sharing yet, and do you? Uh, how's your version control? Are you using other online tools to communicate and, and operate your business? If the short answer is yes then they're more eligible for those types of communities. If they're not even sharing documents yet, I'm not going to start trying to get them to do instant messaging and communities to themselves. They have, they have other fish to fry. You know, I got in a lot of trouble because I quoted two people. Uh, one of them was on this show. She said, like, what was it? I can't remember, Jerry. 40 or 60% of the big companies she goes into, the recruiters there think that sourcing is uh, shuffling resumes or sorting resumes that come in from applications. And someone else uh, said something. I can't remember what she said, but she got real mad at me when I quoted her. She said it at a conference. Uh, and, and I said, well, are these corporate recruiters dumb because they don't seem to know these basic things? Uh, I know I'm putting you in an awkward position, but what's the quality of corporate recruiters? I'm getting all kinds of different uh, messages about it. we got Amy, who's a superstar on this show, Amy Miller, uh, and yet we've got these other reports. She's a corporate recruiter with Microsoft. we got other reports of people who are clueless. So what's the general population of recruiters in big companies like? Can you tell us, or is that taboo for you? It, it, is, it, is, it is analogous to the level of, ser level of service and expertise that you would get from an insurance salesman. So in some, some cases it's relatively commoditized, pretty rote, lower level, uh, right, and it, you know, it serves its function. And in some cases, you know, you've got great customer service and, and, and lots of insight. This question is, 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 a shit, is a crappy question, and the reason why is this, is because it's a broad generalization question. There are companies that have got great recruiters in corporate, and there are companies that have just, you know, mediocre recruiters, and they get is it that done. All they need? But, is that all they need, those companies, the ones that have mediocre recruiters? Is that all they need, really? Or is there a problem? No, I think in some cases what we've got, especially the companies that are larger that have a lot of volume, what they need is they do need people who can make sure people are comfortable and they understand the process. And they're not really doing recruiting. I guess I would say they're doing staffing. They're working people through the applicant tracking process more than anything else. And so that's about understanding the brand and, and what's going on. Then there's another team inside that group that has to go get Right, and they're the recruiters, they're not the staffers. I think the more com the larger companies that have more than say a hundred uh, people on the recruiting team, they've they've moved in a way where they have those hunters, and then they've got 
the people who are moving the paper, and, and they're just okay. taking care of people. Okay, what are the sizes thanks. of companies that have that big of a recruiting team? Is that Most fairly common? Companies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we're dealing with companies that are usually spending anywhere upwards to twenty, more than twenty-five million dollars a year on staff for recruiting. Uh, tw- uh, that includes uh, their their costs, uh, external costs. You know, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, and the thing is, is some of them, especially in Europe, if they've outsourced to an RPO, they just, you know, that's part of their team. I mean, they may not be employees, but they got 85 people who are working for Alexander Mann or whoever else in their offices, and they're part of the team. Man, I love that kind of big business. Yeah. <laughs> I had another question, and I forgot it's so it. So small time, Maureen. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Uh, uh, oh, geez. Okay, yeah, does anybody here have a Tiny question who's business. on the line? I mean – no, you know Jimmy's the only one uh, who's had a chance to talk. Lots of people are saying they like the show on Twitter, which is a uh, you know something different than usual. Uh, does anybody <laughs> have a question for the genius expert uh, Adam uh, Gadomsky? Or you can call me Adam. That's good too. Oh, I mean, Adam. Andrew. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know what? For some reason, your name reminds me of that terrorist Adam Gadam or whatever his name is from California. And I'm always having to correct myself that it's Andrew. I, not I, I think I think there might be something sinister in the way that you're thinking. But uh, anyway, thank you. does anybody I, want to talk to Andrew, the the expert for giant corporate recruiting uh, uh, operations? Okay, I got you. You're you're a guy. You go into these big companies, and it sounds like you completely rearrange their recruiting process. And I think you've given me some examples. Uh, uh, of that. Do you want to talk about what that means when you go in, or you can refer to any examples you want? You know, um, the question, the, the, the question. usually we, we get companies and they say, hey, we're not, come on in, take a look around, see if you can do things uh, for us. Normally what they're do asking for is... Do they pay for if we're is, just coming and looking? Um, they do. Um, we do audits and we do discovery sessions, and we'll, we'll do that on, on a short-term basis. It'll be like uh-huh. a month, and but but we'll come in and and basically what they're asking is we're spending 30 million dollars a year on recruiting and what we want to know is is our service level good can we do it better and maybe can we do it cheaper or do we need to invest more that's really what they're asking and more often than not we're going to either increase their service output and their productivity by 20 to 30 percent or we're going to remove about 20 to 30% of the waste and save them money. And that's what they're asking us really to do. They're asking us to move the 25 to $40 million needle a little bit. Um, and if, if we got a client now, and they're doing what we call 38% you know, service capacity. So they have a workflow. They make all these promises that they're supposed to be doing in, in the recruiting process map, right? They're doing it about 38% of the time. We're done with that project. They've increased it to 78%. You want to give us just a few examples of what you mean by, like, reengineering the process? Or should we move on? Because I have another question I'd like to get to before the end of the show. No, no, go ahead. Go go ahead. I know know we're coming up on the top of the hour. Go. Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? You're welcome to come back if you want another time because uh, you're a good talker. Anyway, uh, so you said you set up a centralized sourcing team servicing it's like a managed services uh, department you were servicing nine separate executive search practices 
across North mm-hmm. America. You were based where? In Philadelphia or someplace like Philadelphia that? Philadelphia at that time. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you said you you want to tell us, you know, the size of the team, how you organized the work, and what effect you had. You know, what kind of uh, uh, effect you had on your clients. Uh, Client recruiters. I, I'd be sure. So this this was for this was for executive search. The practices that we had were uh, supply chain, engineering, marketing, legal, HR, um, and then we had business development, sales, growth, um, those kinds of practices, right? So they were more functional. Um, what we ended up having is we had a team here in Philadelphia. We threw them into a, a good environment, you know, strong, you know, we had great, you know, you know, cubicle environment, open space. We had six people here, and then we had twelve in India. And uh, this is this is 10 years ago or more. This is God, this is 12 years ago. Um, and what we would do is every single position that came in, um, and these were all retained positions, um, normally in excess of 175,000 on the base. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we didn't get too high, right? We weren't doing the million dollar deals, but we were doing most of the stuff was 175 to like 350 base US. Um, or that equivalent globally, um, we would go ahead, and this is you know 2000. This is like this is like you know around 9/11, right? This is a long time ago. Um, so so what we would do is we would do the cold calling and the research, and you know we were doing the boolean at, at that point, and we would be making up the lists, and we would do the initial calls. Um, we would go ahead and make sure that those people were there. We were dropping the messages. Um, we were getting the people set up, and then what the recruiters were doing then, instead of the recruiters doing that work, the recruiters now got started, rather than them tracking how many calls they made, they started having metrics on how many conversations are you having a day, how many interviews or screens are you doing a day. And we were able to take those recruiters who were working for the, for the, as associates, we were able to take them from hammering the phone all day long to pretty much they would have eight to 12 in-depth conversations a day with prospective candidates Mm. rather than banging Mm -hmm. on the Mm. phone, right, and wasting their time. So that meant that we had to reach – so we then separated research from recruiting, and we trained our recruiters way different than our researchers, Right, because now our recruiters had to be able to talk, be able to assess, be able to write, and then be able to present those candidates back to the hiring managers. They weren't doing the gatekeeping stuff. Our team was doing that. Okay. This what about these guys hero. in India? Guys in India, they have a terrible reputation uh, here. Well, we, so, we uh, took them off the phone. We took them off the phone. So that was the key thing. When we had English, we had English-speaking people over there, uh, you know, out of uh, Coimbatore, and we had you know accent coaches and those kinds of things who were helping us. But we took them pretty much off the off the phone when they would talk. They would do stuff like bang on the phone and make sure that there was a voicemail there. They would prepare the list, put them into the system for us, and they would do any kind of hunting on research. We would say, here are the 25 different Boolean strings. You know, someone would architect that here. I know you hate that verb. Uh, someone would architect that over here, whether it be me or one of my research team. We would then throw it over to the guys in India. They would bang on it on a 24-hour clock. So we didn't have people who were working one shift. We had people who were working three shifts. So when I went dude, I want some of this. Right. So Sounds great. We, I want all of it. You still doing it? Man, dude, I need all ten, of it. This is ten years ago. Who's not oh, doing it? Oh man. 
this is a long time ago. I mean, because then what would end up happening is I would throw out a search string to get hunted at 8 a.m. I would have 24 hours of work getting done on it. And when my recruiter showed up in the morning, they would have 10 people lined up and verified for them to call that day. Or if you, like, had people in Australia do it, like they would do it two days before you needed it because they're a day ahead. <laughs> I mean, were you, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, but killer. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're like killer. They man, already but, got it done when you asked them for it because it was yesterday <laughs> when they started on it. Oh, shit, Jerry. Just uh, think, what if they were on Mars? Uh, oh, wow. Hey, man, you know, get Marty McFly on this thing. We'll do it in 1955 for you. Uh huh. Yeah, I had another question and I forgot it. Uh, things just slip out of my mind, and, and it was a yeah. good one. Like how to recruit. One. Uh, it was a good one. No, well, one thing is, it sounds like his recruiters weren't doing any business development. They split everything up, you know, like the mm. sort of oh yeah, our, our, the yeah, we, we, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. When I, you know, I was, you know, as as a principal in the business, yeah, I had, I, I was, I was banging on the phone and meeting and greeting mm. and trying to do sales and trying to close up retainers and those kinds of things. Why that was a reserve thing. If it was so good, why did you leave it? I actually, you know, when I was there, I, I was saying, God, is this how people are getting staffing done? I mean, this black box weirdness. I, there's so much waste here, and we're earning seventy-five, a hundred thousand dollars a clip, and we're making money, and that's great. I said, there's got to be a better way to do this, and I kind of had the tech bug. And said, you know what? Let's see if we can automate more of this, and that that slipped me into corporate recruiting, and. That that started me on my way. I wanted to open up my own business, but I I had to make a corporate stop in order to get a lot of credibility for people to buy me. Uh huh. You know what? I remember my question is going to be the last one. What about the idea when you say you're getting these you know huge volumes of resumes in response to an ad? What about shipping them over to India and having a team there look at every single resume and send a, an email response to every applicant? You, I mean, you know, people are going to say, well, why don't you just automate that? And and then some people are going to say, well, how personal is that? I got one better. What we tend to do is for, we have a retail bank that's done this. They're getting 150, 200 people to be a bank teller. What they do is they have other bank tellers go through the resumes. And they give them overtime, and they give them benefit, bonuses and stuff. Because then what ends up happening is we're asking, we're asking people who are really good in the field, and there's thousands of them, and say, hey, look through these hundred resumes. We'll give you a gift card. This cool. is genius, genius. Stuff. And then we say, and then you say, okay, I'll give you a gift card for a hundred bucks. By the way, a hell of a lot cheaper than paying a recruiter to do it. And then say, who do you think looks good here? Oh, you know what? These people look good. They would work well on our team. That's you got go to where your resources are, and if you're in a retail organization or a large scale organization, you got twenty thousand associates. Stop trying to get your recruiters to do some of the work. Get some of those people to do the work. Is Blake, so would is you do Blake, that? So would you do that? Um, maybe two, three times. Let let that go to maybe two, three, four different tellers. Well, you rotate it. What we would do, what we would do, and we did this for pharmaceutical sales as well, mm-hmm. is you go to the people who like in these larger organizations. They have reward programs based on performance. Like they're the part, like the the pharmaceutical person is the, the rep is part of the Emerald Club, or the bank teller is like employee of the month or something like that. Those are the people that you give this work to, and you say, hey, you were just awarded employee of the month. Can you help us look through some resumes for our team? Because mm-hmm. we trust you. 
Mm-hmm. You make it part of the reward mechanism and a retention rec- mechanism. Now, all of a sudden, you're making that person smarter, you're rewarding them, and you're making them part of the culture. It's a totally different way of thinking. I feel uplifted just by hearing this stuff. Animal, yeah, this is all I can take today. Okay, no, no, we're finished. But can you do the after show, Jerry? No, I'm Blake. overloaded with goodness right now. No, after show? Okay, so Blake Cannon, if you're on the line, you get to ask your question. Oh, wait a minute. Hey! Hey, Blake. Yeah, what's up? I just got your email suggesting a meeting later. Yeah. No, no, don't talk about that, okay? I'll Send talk about whatever back. I want. Blake Cannon, I'm giving you hey, a sooner, sooner works you better for me. you want to ask a question, do you want to ask him a question? My question was, I I mean, you, you just got through saying he was recruiting expert and all this stuff, and my question was, uh, I just got through watching the the top recruiter show, the chapter one and two, and I wanted to know what he thought about it. You know, I mean, look, Chris Chris is doing really good work, right? And the reason why he's doing good work is he's he's, he's given awareness through top recruiter about what you can do and what's going on in the market, and it gives us a place to talk about it. That's really cool, right? Um, you know what? I, I I think I think anything. That's out there that gives our ability, that gives our profession the ability to get recognition, do competition, question ourselves. That's especially that bikini episode. Was that was that a, was that season two? Hey, nah, that, yeah, that was last year, man. Yeah, there's good people. There's good people who contributed to, or are contributing to that show. Ray Ann Thorne is one of my one of my favorites, and you know, I mean, you know, she wasn't on the last one though. Ray yeah, is but, one of my favorite people too. But yeah, I mean, so the, but are you suggesting there's show. been a kind of a shakeup, Blake? She okay. just wasn't part you of the last show. You got your question answered. Well, is there anything else? Okay, to say yeah, about he was that? Very, that, was a, that was a good answer. Yeah, that okay. was a good good question, good answer. Why are you getting so snappy, animal? Okay, well, you just <laughs> said is. you're not having an after yeah. show. I gotta understand if no after show, right? Well, then right? don't cut it off then. Okay, well, sorry. Yeah, I why don't you shove the next fifteen minutes up your <laughs> you too. I wanted to ask Andrew Godomsky if he's got any parting words for the audience. Start, you know, so all the recruiters out there, you know, if you're underappreciated, just start smiling and 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 and, and start asking for appreciation. Can you, you send me an autographed five by seven from my office? That's right. That's what I want to do. <laughs> just Blake, just keep, look, Blake. And it, I, everybody it, knows it's about, it's about doing the work. What about that? It needs to be a vintage one for your office. You know, Jerry. just 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 know that the work that you know everyone's got all this work that they got to do. Think about working smart, right? What's the smart work you want to do each day? And if you think that the work that you're doing isn't smart, go tell somebody and say this work we need to get rid of. How are we going to get rid of? Because it's wasting my time. It's wasting the candidate's time. Mm. And if you're not going to speak up, stop pitching. So you're saying do some pushback. Oh, awareness yeah. first. A, awareness first. You see something, right, Maureen? Say something. You, you, you know, awareness first, and then when there's awareness and people aren't reacting, then you can start pushing back to how leadership and how management are handling things you've uh, given them awareness to. Okay. Andrew, good hey, Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Jerry, wait, 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 wait. Oi. Jerry. Oi. Hey, Blake, Jerry, you just want to have our phone call on the after show, and we'll just let Animal mm-hmm. tape it, and then just grab random excerpts to prove his point over the next 10 years, putting clips all over the Internet when you don't uh. suspect it. No, we just keep missing each other on cell phones, so I thought we could just... Okay, I'll let you guys talk in the after show. Andrew Godomsky, I'd like you to come back sometime. In the meantime... Sure. Thanks, Andrew. Good call. Good call.
it might have been just what animal needed to uh, pull his show out of the trash can. I was going to say, yeah, actually just in the nick of time. Good guess. Do you want me to hang? Change. You want me to hang out, Sherry, or what? Yeah, no, you need. You got to go, man. You got to split. Now I, I, I got my team here. They they, they want they want to hear some of this. I got, I got, I got I got I got I got one of the best I got one of the best veterans in the business, and I got what's that? You want to ask what? more this questions? You want to stay on? I got lots more questions. But if Jerry wants to ask you something, go ahead. Yeah, that's a good call. Well, I was going to ask Blake how his wedding was. Okay, and I want to tie that in with uh, Did you have any CNC operators there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Running some Swiss Swiss lathes. No, but, uh, tell some Ed, Ed, to, uh, Just come Ed back another that. time. I'll schedule you for the new year. We're happy to no, that sounds good, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for the opportunity, guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a good day. Yeah, you okay, too, man. Thank you. Take care. It was, it was a great show. You know, I think Animal needs to recognize when he's got somebody who's kind of... Look, Jerry, i got to tell you something. I got. Oh, I know what it is. This is my show. Ah! Hey, you too. When do I get my show? You had your show years ago. It was called The Animal Show. And you. (laughs) (laughs) Then you let him take over and you see where that got you. (laughs) What's your problem, Animal? I got an email from someone who's a very tough critic. In fact, he's such a tough critic, he got pissed off at me and left my Facebook group. But he emailed. Yeah, no. (laughs) He emailed me. He emailed me from an airport somewhere in the United States. Mm. Said, "I just want you to know that I've been enjoying the show a lot lately." He didn't listen to the couple. But there you go. I'm I'm just afraid some of your dude. Some of your guests would be like interviewing just some dude off the street. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I mean, you might as well just start going. Don't worry. There's plenty What's coming. That? She's trying to get get me uh, set up with somebody who's just like off the street. But but okay, go ahead. You do your show. I'll go have some lunch. Okay, you do your show. Just don't let. Well, what are you gonna have for lunch? <laughs> you can. This is our show. Good. What are you having for lunch? <laughs> Nyob. Yeah. Nyyofb. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You would play. Go ahead. Blank. Hey, buddy. How's life? It's good. I bet. We, yeah, we can have this call offline. Yeah, we're going to. Believe me. But that's, that's not. I that need to spend a call. few minutes making it seem like there was an after show, or else I might get fired. Maureen <laughs> in the house. Hey, is Jim Durbin still here? He bailed. So it's just the three of us. That was a good call, though. So really, all we need to do is get rid of Maureen and not be on tape. And carry on. <laughs> Maureen, I'm glad you're enjoying a good laugh today. Uh, tell me my, again why you didn't call me when you came to Cincinnati. No, uh, it was I was just I just took uh, my oldest son down there. We went and spent uh, the night with a high school buddy. Okay. Who's now a banker down there at PNC Bank. Okay. We went down and sat in the PNC seats at uh, at a Reds Cubs game. It was great. Okay. Well, you know, my house in Cincinnati is about five minutes from downtown from that stadium. You could have mm-hmm. stayed there. Instead of calling uh, for a, an Uber lift back to his place, we could have just called you. <laughs> 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 I 
But All right, seriously, my me. house in Mount Lookout's about five minutes from there. I know it. You could have stayed there anytime, anytime. So I'm. It, it's it's on my short list to come mm-hmm. camping at your house again. Okay, no, not that house. The one in Cincinnati. You've got a new one. Oh, you've got multiple houses. The one in, I have a house in Cincinnati. It's about five minutes, you know, along the river. You take the Columbia Parkway along yep. the river from Ooh. where the stadium is, and you could stay there. Is that a, like a flop house uh, when you're too drunk <laughs> to drive back to the Mason? Or, I mean, what? No, that's more. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about the house. Maureen's hammered again. Looks like she's staying on the river house. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I have I have my city house in my four day bender house. on the river. <laughs> Maureen. <laughs> Sounds like That's fun. my river rat house, Jerry. <laughs> what? That's What's my that? river rat house. Yeah. Yeah. You ever go across the river? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then and then turn right. Mm, yeah. And then go down in the low country. Mm-hmm. There's some yeah. interesting people down in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's in- interesting people just right across the river. Well, let's do 30 seconds uh, review of Andrew Gadamski. Okay. Uh, yeah, that guy's brilliant. Obviously, he's a very successful guy. Yeah, it was a great show. Great show. Well-spoken. It's just so shocking to hear somebody as the guest on the animal show that knows something. He knows somebody, <laughs> you know? and he he can speak about it. That was the, yeah. that was the refreshing part. Yeah, and I can just picture animals sitting there thinking, like he has to. He's so used to just jumping all over people's answers. He's like fighting himself to let the guy talk. <laughs> the struggles he must face. <laughs> you know what willpower? Seriously, That's too funny. All right, Blake, I'm calling you back on your five one two number. Are you going to call me on the office line or the cell? My office line or your cell? Why don't I just call you? What? Which one of the? Is the number I sent you on the thing? Is it fine? I'll just call you on that one. All right. What number obviously, are you at? obviously, I'm. I'm. Um, You're a fifth in the way here. Get so lost. I'm going to hang up. You guys can talk here. Then I'll call no, because we'll be on, we'll be on tape. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, and he digs this stuff up down the road. No, Jerry. One time you said, and then it's like God. I remember. He's he's like can. Like the the librarian of all recruiting internet stuff, it's you know. Yeah, he he can find stuff, can he? He's the like library, a, of the library of Congress for recruiting. <laughs> As if anybody ever needed one, yeah. But, yeah, I know. All right, I'll talk to you. Guys no, Blake, later. I'm I'm calling you right now. Hang up, everybody. Okay, bye, bye, everybody. All right, bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.